The following show contains adult content. It's not our intent to offend anyone, but we want to inform you that if you are a child under the age of 18 or get offended easily, this next show may not be for you. The content, opinions, and subject matter of these shows are solely the choice of your show hosts and their guests, and not those of the Entertainment Network or any affiliated stations. Any comments or inquiries should be directed to those show hosts. Thank you for listening. Jimmy Star Show with Ron Russell, bringing you the good times in music, fashion, pop culture, and entertainment. We have a great, great show today. Um, we're bringing back Julian Schlossberg. Uh, he was on a month ago, and we didn't have enough time to talk to him, um, so he's coming back on. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, in the meantime, um, let me first, real quick, before I do anything, let me introduce my cool, outrageous man about town co-host, Ron Russell. Hey, everybody. Today's show is going to be a name-dropping show. Between Julian and me, we're probably naming everybody in Hollywood that was in the golden era of Hollywood. So much to talk about. This man is a super intelligent, incredible human being. I, I, we'll anyway, get, we'll we'll get, get to, to it. it. I want to just do some shout outs. Number one, um, I want to say hey to everybody in the chat room. Mike Wagner just joined us. Dawn is in there. She said her corgi. Uh, is sick, uh, so we wish better best best of health to your corgi. That's a dog. Who a corgi? It's a dog. What a dog. Don's dog is sick. And who's uh, dog is sick? Don. Oh, I wish your dog gets better. And uh, we also want to give a belated birthday because I think Monday, Sunday or Monday was Cindy Lady Lake's birthday. So happy birthday, Cindy Lady Lake. I, I wish her a happy birthday on Facebook. And uh, me too. His, oh, Don's dog's name is Bullet. So happy birthday, Cindy Diadamo. Uh, Lady Lake Gemini. And, uh, and Ron's birthday is on Sunday, everybody. In so four days. I'll be 83. Woo. Yes. yes so young. Ron's going to be 83, 83 in four years days. young in four days. Yes. Yeah, so it's going to be a lot of fun. Everything <laughs> is good. Um, also, uh, they just—I just got a text message. Unfortunately, Tina Turner just died, <gasps> which is terrible. Oh so no! We want to send out, you know, uh, condolences to her family, and oh, the world no. has lost an icon because Tina Turner is amazing. Oh my God! What That's so great... sad. Oh, I've... why did you do that now, Jimmy? Why not? You, you couldn't wait to do that, could you? you no, that's news. It's not news. We're not a news show. Now you upset me. Now <laughs> I, I, it's going to spoil the, my interview. No, it won't. I love Tina Turner. Everybody loves Tina Turner. She's an icon, so it's very sad. Why do you do those things? You should ask me before you do these things. Well, just came in two seconds well, ago. Well, you don't have to be Barbara <laughs> Walters, you know. Rona Barrett. Who the fuck do you think you are? I am, Big though. Mouth. I'm a pop culture person. Oh, blow it out your ass, you nobody. Know, a Jimmy Starr fucking actor. That, used to, that doesn't even know how to act. You stink. Now I'm furious. Now I'm pissed off at you. You spoiled, well, you spoiled my whole happy mood. Well, I, I couldn't be in a happy mood. I got to work. You know, people, really, I mean, 
Couldn't wait to get it out like bulletin, bulletin. No, well, well, it's breaking news, honey. It's all over. Breaking news, not for us on this show. This oh, is not appropriate. Okay, well, that's okay. That's okay. We do. No, I have a good. If, it, if Julian wasn't here, I'd get up and walk out. Oh, you love Julian. I love Julian. Julian. Be a that's great why show. I'm only going to stay here. So, also, uh, what else happened? So, Ron's birthday is going to be yeah, 83 this you. weekend. And uh, the chat room, are people coming in there? They I like feel terrible. God, rest in peace, Tina. You gave us such fun. Absolutely. You gave us such dancing fun and what's love got to do. I just. Fabulous. Well, we all have to die. Well, one, by, she, one by one, we do. And she's been ill for years and years. Shut and years. up. You have to be the echo. Oh. I'm mad at you today. Today, don't don't bust my chops today. <laughs> relax. Because we're going to kill each other on no, the show. No, we're not. You're going to have the best show ever when I strangle you. <laughs> just relax. No, I can't relax because you have pissed me off with the stupidity. Stupid, 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 stupid man you are. Anyway, keep going. No, don't speak to me. I don't want. To, I will never <laughs> yeah. speak to you again. Anyway, it's sad, and um, I know, I know, Don. She said, "Don't forget." It says we're 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 on the Hollywood show behind us, so we tell about what's going on in Hollywood, and that's something that happened. No, no. If an earthquake came in San Francisco, we cannot say it. We are a talk show, a happy show, a positive up show. Anything negative that comes on our show is destructive to me. I could have found this news out after the show. So what happens is I was one of Tina's probably biggest fans. I know that. I love Tina Turner very much as I love Patti LaBelle and, and I love Peggy Lee and Johnny Mantis. I love so many people who have brought me so many hours of wonderful music and happiness and fun. That's the positive. Absolutely. Tina Stop. Stop what? it. Just don't do it. Could you not talk to me to not on this show? <laughs> Come on, Ron. No, I'm serious. Could you not go, talk to me? Could you just easy. make believe I'm not here? Uh, oh, they all want to. It's got to be the echo. Yeah, absolutely. Now, be nice. Now. No, I can't be nice. Well, you, you put you me in a shitty mood. Well, now I, I have to get it, out of it. Now okay. I have to get out of it. Now I have to get out of it. The shitty mood. Okay, but you have to talk. I have to think positive. Now I have to get rid of you that you just filled my brain with bad news. Now I got to do good news. Woo. Okay, do good news. Julian is a pleasure. Absolutely. In reading his book, he brought me back to when I was a young boy because Julian is also my age. So much of his book were the things that I did in all the decades. Uh I want him to come on, so I want him to hear what I have to say about his book because I've critiqued his book. I will critique his book. Okay? Now show everybody I feel the book. Don't speak. No, show everybody the book so they know what you're talking about. We're going to be talking about it a lot today, you guys, and his career and lots of other things oh, going on. Book so what's That's the title? The it's a wonderful weapon. <laughs> you, if you don't like somebody that's sitting next to you, you could hit them in the head with this book and kill them. It's so, a heavy book. So the name of the book is Try Not To... I can't read it backwards oh, like so that. Stupid. Well, do you know the name of the book? Try Not To Hold It Against Me, A Producer's Life, and the forward is by Elaine May. Who is Elaine May? She's like a Broadway star, Elaine right? May is... is who, you don't know who Elaine May is? She's a Broadway star, right? Uh, Elaine May was the one, is, is one of the best comedians ever. Mike Nichols and Elaine May were a team. And they they did... See, you're not a New Yorker. You're from Florida. Oranges. What do they know in Florida? Alligators, oranges. And let's go to the beach and ruin our skin. You're right, with Mike Nichols. Yep. 
Of course I know what I'm talking about. She's got right? a BAFTA, a Grammy, and a Tony. Before you were born, I was out partying with movie stars. Before you were even conceived, I was out with Betty Davis. How do you like them apples? That's fine. Actually, she's got... Anyway, calm down, Ron. She's got many Grammy Award nominations. Who? Elaine May. Elaine May is fabulous. I've never met her. I've met her daughter, who I, I a few times, who's sensational and a fabulous actress as well. And her name is Berlin, Ginny Berlin. Ginny Berlin is wonderful. No, Ginny, yes. Huh? Yes. Ginny Berlin. I'd like to work with Ginny Berlin one day. Which might happen. Don't, 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 don't speak to me. No, don't do that. No, don't speak to me. No, don't do that. Don't do that. Right, don't well, do what? Just don't be a dick now. Let's go. We've got a lot of... I, we have a, a big show ahead of us. Yeah. If Why don't you like leave and let me handle the show? No. Nobody will listen. Nobody will listen? <laughs> no. When you talk, they, they all go to sleep. So we have... Actually, he, he, Julian's actually here, but we're going to talk for a minute more. So first of all, we want to thank everybody for tuning in. Um, you can hear the show weekly. We're on SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Amazon Music, YouTube. Google Podcasts, Radio Public, TuneIn, Pandora, and Amazon Prime. Um, we want to thank everybody. Last week's show did really good. Um, I really think, well. Really well. <sighs> and uh, I think that we... And you graduated what in school? Sixth. Sixth what? In Florida. Because Florida schools are so backward yeah, like that if I graduated from Florida school, I would have been like, forget about it, president of the United States. Out of like, uh, no... You wouldn't. <laughs> Honey, Florida schools were so bad that when we lived there, pe people were sending their kids to private schools because the public schools were I'm so terrible. I'm not talking terrible. about public schools. You were from public schools. I went to University of Florida. I graduated sixth in my class out of like 50,000 people in my graduating class. And you don't know class. who Elaine May is. No, because that's I, I studied business. I didn't study entertainment. Well, how and did Elaine you, May is like older Well, how did me. you get in entertainment? Because, because of me, you got in entertainment. When no. I met you, you were a garbage man, I think. Weren't you no. working for the city picking up trash? <laughs> no. No, actually I not. I be able. I know. Well, we're not with you with that. So um, anyway, enough of this nonsense. Let's get on with the show because when Julian comes on, I'm going to be happy. Well, he's going to be coming on in one second. Uh, one thing we're, we're going to do a quick music break because he comes on in th three minutes. So we're going to play 10 sharp. Maybe you guys, when we come back, we're going to have Julian Schlossberg on the show and it's going to be a blast. So here you guys enjoy it. This is 10 sharp and the name of the single is maybe... Mama said, please, my son, do the things like we have done, cause they love you. But you chose another way. Battles lost, battles won. They gave you so much more than fun. A gentle way to dance away from pain. you 
That was 10 Sharp. The name of the group is 10 Sharp. The name of the single is Maybe. Uh, Ron made a comment like, uh, uh, so they became famous like a long time ago. They're still performing like all the, I think they call them, uh, I forgot, like classic tribute acts or classic acts or something. But like all the big bands that were popular in the 80s, you know, are all coming back. And for those of you tours. out there who got upset that I was arguing with Jimmy and want to leave, please leave. There no. are other people that want to come into our show. So if you don't like it. Our show is based on reality and truth. There's no baloney here. There's no phony stuff in this show. If it's phony, it doesn't exist in this show. What we say to the guests and to you is the truth. So, yes, I can't always be the altar boy, sweet little boy. I'm from Brooklyn. I'm a tough guy. And I have a temper. Okay? And you saw it. So don't get your panties in a knot. All right? Relax. This is part of who we are. This is why we're the number one show in the world, podcast, with 5 million viewers. If we were like everybody else, mushy, shushy, boo-boo, we wouldn't be who we are today. So get over it. Jimmy and I love each other. We're married. We fight like all married couples fight. I just do it on the air. <laughs> I could have kept it secret and I could have smiled, but that would be a phony. And I would rather die this second than be a friggin' phony. I despise phonies, as you know. And in Hollywood, we're going to hear about it with Julian. We have plenty of users, phonies, and creeps. Anyway, so let's bring him on, you guys. Yay! Julian Schlossberg. There he hey, is! You guys are great. I've, I've been doing interviews all over. I'm telling you, I, I like the idea of truth. Of course, we're an endangered species when we <laughs> talk truth. You know, this is really frightening. But as you say, Ron, no mushy, mushy, mushy. Let's let's no. talk turkey. No, let's no, talk no. turkey. Exactly. Let's talk turkey because this is this is a reality show. We are real. We're not scripted. I have no idea what I'm going to say to you, except that I think your book is probably the best book I have written read in years. It was oh. not written by an author. It was no. written by my buddy, a friend. I fell in love with you in this book because everything in this book is my life. Oh, you my. And I have run parallel lives. We're the same age. I'll be 83 in four days. So I remember what you wrote about the bottles and the people and Elaine May and Shirley McLean I, and meeting Cary Grant. I mean, my God, Julian, you have had a hell of a life. 
And if anybody thinks this is the name dropping book, yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? You people out there, you love it. You love to read about Hollywood stars. Get this book. He tells it all. He's as honest as I am. He's not a Jew from Brooklyn. We can't help it. That's how we're raised. You're from, no, you're the Bronx. You were the Bronx. Well, no, but I mean, together we would be dangerous. Dangerous. Oh, yeah. Bombs. Bombs yeah. away. But but thank you, Ron. Know. That's so kind of you, though. No, it's I, honest. I, don't, I don't give a shit about kind. If, you, if the book stunk, I would have said, forget about it. But I must okay. be totally I'm honest. Glad, I'm glad it didn't, then. No, wait, Julian, I fast read it because I have so many books from so many people that come on this show. I can't possibly read them all and have a life. So I fast read. The crappy ones or the ones I'm not interested in, I put aside. Your book just made the, the award. It's called The Airplane Book. We're flying to New York in July, and I will read the entire book in detail on the plane. And that's a great honor because not too many books get read on an airplane. Well, if there's any shot of, of of us doing a third show after you read it, that would make me one happy Jew. No, Julian, Julian. No, he read a lot of it. Oh, he's, oh, no, no, he's no, saying, no, no, no. He didn't I, just skim it. He spent no, hours. He just no. didn't read it page I, I, by page. I, 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 oh, okay. I studied fast read. You know how to do fast read? You look at the whole page, you grab the paragraphs, and you get the gist of it. I, I got that your mother was a, a tough broad and that your father was a weak kind of a guy. You grew up in the Bronx. You didn't have any money. You used to deposit soda bottles like I did to make money to buy devil dogs and grape soda. I did the same thing you did. Uh, we played the same games in the street. We had the Johnny pump on with the board under the water. I, yeah. was I said to myself, oh, my God, I love him. You're the last thing I have left of me. There are no more me's around. Julian, you're it. I Ron, I feel the same way. I mean, I was so excited when you guys invited me back again because I've done a lot of interviews, but I didn't have that much fun as I had with you guys. I really mean that. It really is fun. I also get a terrific kick. And if people don't like your banter, then it's their problem because it's fun. I enjoy listening. I don't even know who to root for sometimes. I'm not sure who's going <laughs> to No, but I just feel that, you know, I, I, listen, if you ever read my Facebook, everybody out there that does, every day I write about inspiration, about positive thinking, about you can do it, about don't let negativity destroy you. I was so excited, and I swear on my mother, my father, no, my children, and my little doggy, not this one, but I swear <laughs> that I was so excited knowing that you were coming on because... I don't really have a lot in common with a lot of the young people we have on our show because I talk about Barbara Streisand and they say, who? You know what I mean? So having you on the show is like reliving my life. It opened up a door to my soul. I can't explain it. It's how I am. When I Also, you made me very homesick. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I miss New York. You know, Jimmy and I are moving back next year. We're, we're leaving California. Though. I'm moving back to New We're going to buy something out in the Hamptons because I love Long, I love the Long Island and I like the Hamptons. Uh, yeah. And I miss my New York mentality. You see, in New York, when you fight like this, people don't give a shit. It's normal. But in California, if you yell at somebody, they call a lawyer and they sue you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> He yelled at me. I want, and he hurt my ears, and he made me have a nervous breakdown because they're very, very different out here. Yes. New York people, 
Yeah, he used the F word to our next door, like in a conversation that just came out that we were having in our next door neighborhood, and now they don't talk to never, us. Never spoke. They never to me spoke again. to us again. Never. Four years. No. Because he said and fuck. I didn't say that, I didn't say fuck in a negative way. I just said it like from Brooklyn. Like it was like it's hot as fuck here or something like yeah. that. And he had and, a heart attack. And, 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 these, and these two sissy queens went ooh, and they got offended. You know, they might live in a very gay neighborhood in Palm Springs. <laughs> Palm Springs is all gay, is in case you didn't know. I mean, eighty percent are flying fruits. So, you know, anyway, I got sissies next door, two sissy Marys. <laughs> and and they, they're afraid of me. They think I'm a, I'm a hood from Brooklyn, a mafia. But anyway, let them think what they want. Julian, back to you and your book. I cannot, I wanted to read all the names that of the celebrities you have met, dealt with. And I said, we don't have a show that long. You've <laughs> met three presidents, Obama, Clinton, and Bush. Yes. All right. I only yes. met one. I met uh, Trump at Trump. Uh, my friend Perry Winkler was looking for husband number four. And <laughs> she, said, she said, Ronala, let's go to Trump's place, Mar-a-Lago. $50,000, you can become a member. I'll go up there, honey. Maybe I can find me a nice aldecaca with a lot of money and I can get married. I said, Perla, fine, let's go. We go up. We're sitting in one of the rooms. Who's there but Trump? And he comes over to us, very handsome, very, this is years ago, 40 years ago. And he says to us, can I get you folks anything? I said, yeah, I'd like a martini, four olives, straight up. And my friend Perry, very dramatic, said, oh, darling, I'd love a cold glass of water. So he <laughs> gives another water. You know, Perry, she was from Brooklyn, a Jew from Brooklyn. That suddenly became like, oh, darling, you know how they get when they get, you know, Affected. they're no longer Jewish. But anyway, so we're driving home. Trump was very nice. We're driving home and she screams out, Ronald, what the fuck is wrong with me? I said, Perry, what's the matter? She said, Trump said, what do you want? And I said, water. She said, what the fuck is wrong with me? I should have said, dump it on. <laughs> So that's well, my little Perry story. But anyway, Trump was very nice. That's the only president I ever met. Well, yeah, I I was very impressed with all three presidents in different in for different reasons. But the most interesting was that uh, George H. W. Bush um, was so uh, warm and outgoing and so accommodating and so anxious to be nice about it. And it was interesting to me because I mean. You can't be the head of the CIA, which he was at one time, and not have certain abilities to do certain things that we necessarily don't like. So, um, but I, he was charming. And I asked him when I interviewed him, I asked him if he would consider imitating Dana Carvey, imitating <laughs> him. And he did it. He actually did it. He did it. It was so, so sweet. At the end of it, I said, I said, well, oh, thank you so much, Mr. President, because what he had done, you guys will be interested in this. What he had done was duplicate the White House, his White House office in Houston, in Texas. So when you walked in, first thing I was looking for was Martin Sheen because of <laughs> you know the West Wing. But there it was. There was the Oval Office, as beautiful as you would picture it. He had duplicated it. Anyhow, at the end of the interview, I said, uh, thank you, Mr. President. He said, well, I want you to come on in. I want to give you some mementos, some tie clips and some ties and whatever, some pictures. We'll take pictures. 
I said, oh, wow, that, that will be the highlight of my day. And he said, well, you haven't had much of a day, have you? <laughs> He's right. He wasn't the best president ever. But anyway, I don't think anybody has ever been a great president. They carry on about Franklin Delano Roosevelt as being the greatest president in the world. And my father said to me that when the Jews were trying to leave Nazi Germany away from assassination, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, that wonderful president, said, oh, we don't want the Jews here because they're going to take over the stock market and ruin us. So many, many Jews died unnecessarily because Franklin Delano Roosevelt would not permit them to come to America. Yet today we have Biden who's opened the world up to everybody, no passports, nothing. If you want to live in this country, just come in. If you're a criminal, we don't really give a shit. Just come in. Goes to show you how presidents differ. I mean, from Roosevelt and this one that does. It's rare that we can sit and back and say anybody that we meet and get to know is 100%. We all have our either peccadillos or, oh, yeah. or worse. Um, uh, the thing about Bush was that he was called the resume president because he had done so many things before he became president. He probably was the the most prepared of any president we ever had to be president. Uh, but you never know. Look, a lot of people feel Harry Truman was a hell of a president, and yeah. he was he was totally unprepared, out one hundred percent unprepared to take over. In fact, Roosevelt didn't even have him in meetings. Right, so it's strange. But back to show business. Yes, uh, Elaine May. Let's talk about Elaine May and her uh, wonderful daughter. Berlin, Jeannie Berlin. Let's no, go yeah, Jeannie Berlin and, and Elaine, well, they're two of my closest friends. And uh, okay. Elaine, as you know, Elaine wrote the uh, foreword to the book. And, yes, uh, wonderful. I mean, and what's so nice about Elaine was that she was able to win the Tony as Best Actress a couple of years ago and then was given the Academy Award for Lifetime Achievement uh, just a, two, three years ago. So she... Uh, Really is quite something. She she is really Julian. For those out there that are too young or don't know who Elaine May is, give us a quick rundown. Oh my golly, Elaine May and Mike Nichols started in Chicago as young uh, performers in Second City, and they were so big that they came to New York in their early twenties and became huge names on television and in nightclubs. They were on Dinah Shore, Steve Allen. They were on the biggest shows. And, and funny. I'm sorry? And funny. Oh, my God. Funny. Oh. So much so that you can go on YouTube now and see a lot of the sketches of Mike and Elaine. You know what my favorite one was? They were sitting on two chairs pretending to be inside of a car. <laughs> he's driving, and she's saying, slow down, slow down. What's wrong with you? And then he says, okay. And then she said, why are you driving so slow? Everybody's passing you. You know, that kind of naggy. They're wonderful. Now, they, Ginny Berlin, I was at a thing, uh, I told you, with Renee uh, Taylor and, Taylor. and yeah. my wonderful Joe Bologna, who I love very much. Joe Bologna was the sweetest guy in the world. And Ginny was there, and she was a little upset because she had been quarreling with her mother alike a lot. They didn't oh. get along. But I understand now that they get along. Oh, they get along well. They they live yeah. they live they live together. They're doing fine. They they're great. Um, I I mean you know as you said earlier, we all fight at times. You oh fight. yeah, it's human. 
but uh, exactly. Well, we're not sure about some of them. Uh, not being human. <laughs> All right, but no. Let's talk about your first wife. Uh, tell us. What, I, I read the book, but tell us why you weren't happy with her and why you decided. Oh, I don't know. If, you know. I, first of all, I'm I'm in touch with all my ex-wives, and, <laughs> and uh, I uh, I'm like you. I'm trying to look at the positive of life. I oh. the negative is too easy to find. And right. as, as all three of us know, you got to accent, create the positive, eliminate and, the negative. Absolutely. That was from an after-school special or something. That I was think. a song. That was a song, Jimmy. Yeah, I know, but from the after-school special. It was from an after-school special. No, it was they from made a movie. You've got to accent. No, it's a movie. Uh, I it, forgot. It, it, was a, it was a movie uh, first, but they use it later. But, Who said uh, no, uh, she, she, uh, she and I were uh, we, we, we were never angry with each other, but, you know, life has a funny way of moving you one way or another, and I... Uh, I, I found it was an interesting thing. I wonder if you fellas had this happen in your youth. Uh, attract people would get attracted to you because of what you did. Oh, uh, absolutely. And then they got jealous of what you did. Yes. yes. Why are you going out now? Why are you doing that? So I think that probably one of the things that happened in, in my first couple of marriages, as they say, um, but I was lucky to find a wonderful woman I write about in the book who... I was going to get there. Don't go ahead of me. Uh, listen, you. next time, since we do this on the fly, right. uh, I don't know where you're going. I, no, because I want you to tell everybody. Man. I want you to tell everybody, because I read all about her, yeah. why you were so crazy in love with her. And I also want to bring out, you were very cute when you were young, and I understand why gay men hit on you a lot. And it kind of upset you, I got from the book, because yeah. you felt that they thought you were gay and everybody thought you were gay. So, I mean, I am gay. When people say, are you gay? I don't get offended. But I can imagine if you're not gay and, you, and you're called gay, but to be offended, no, but to be annoyed, possibly. I was upset when they groped me. That was what upset me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't care what, I didn't give a damn what they thought, but, but you know, when, when you're... When you're in camp and you're 13 years old and the dramatic counselor comes into your bed and starts fondling you, you think, you know, there may be something wrong with this picture, at yes. least from my point of view. He would have given him his phone number. <laughs> no, no, I can still remember him. You you guys would have passed on both. But this guy, I guarantee you, you not, this yeah. is not someone you would have been interested in. And it certainly wasn't someone. Well, I mean, the fact is that I understand probably more than a lot of men. I understand women's upset about being groped and grabbed and stuff. I mean, I, I, I was, I was hoping that women would do it to me, but I was getting mad. No, no, I don't even like. I don't like anyone uh, touching me. Uh, I rode the subway every day going to school, and I got banged up the butt dry hump by more gay guys and groped and felt up. And it used to, I, listen, I was looking at shoes one day in Flag Brothers. You know, you walk in and there's like the glass on both sides and a priest was there and the priest was doing. Oh my God. I looked at him and I, and I take it the fuck out of here. And as he left, I ran out in the sidewalk and I yelled to all the people, everybody, that priest is a fag. He tried to pick <laughs> me up. Well, he turned around and looked at me. He turned purple and took off. He ran like a bat out of hell. I mean, you're a goddamn priest, and you're 
trying to blow me or something? What are you, nuts? But I had everybody after me. When I was young, I looked like Tony Curtis. Very handsome young fellow. Very. I mean, extremely. Not anymore. Now I'm an old fuck. But when I was young, I was a good-looking guy. Tall, thin, handsome. And I had every gay guy in New York City chasing me all the time. And I never liked being touched. And I used to tell them that. I went out with one guy. Listen to how innocent I was. I went out with a guy one time. He wanted to go down on me. And I said, you can't do that. And he said, why? I said, because if you do that, how am I going to kiss you? <laughs> <laughs> you see what I mean? That was my mentality. Back did, in the did you know? Did you both guys, did you know at a very young age that you were more interested in men? I, I knew young, but I never wanted it. I fought it. I never wanted it. I well, didn't it, was like a, it. it was a stigma in those days. Not the stigma. I, I really like my girlfriends. I mean, I like getting laid in the drive-in movies. I like making out in the story of Park. I liked all the things I did with women. Men, I, I was always very nervous with and not sure of myself. And I never felt in control. When, you're, when I'm with the beautiful, I was young, I was 19 and with a beautiful 16-year-old girl. My God, it's magic. Uh, but with boys, no. I, I never really had a, no. I guess I'm very bisexual, but I. Well, I clearly, you are bisexual. You have a yeah, child. Father, my father, Two childs. <laughs> my father was a womanizer, a whore master. My father chased every skirt in, in New York City or everywhere. And. I remember driving with my father, and he said, look at that one over there. See her? She's a good one. You could pick her up. I bet you she goes fast. And my father always talked to me about pussy and banging women. I don't know if that made me gay or made me not gay. <laughs> I really don't know. But back in the 50s, as you know, you made out with a girl, and you got to first base over the bra, over the blouse. Second base in the bra. Third base, the bra came off. Today... They meet, and a minute later, they're pregnant. You know, it's like <laughs> So talk about that. Talk about your relationship with women when you were a young boy. Well, first of all, I was trying to think if I ever got past first base. <laughs> <laughs> oh, bullshit. You were cute as hell. Are you kidding? I would have grabbed you if I met you. How do you like that? <laughs> oh, not another one. <laughs> oh, yeah. You would have said yes as I was so good looking. <laughs> Well, you look pretty good now too, so that's not fair, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, anyhow, I, no, I mean, I, I like most uh, of my friends. Uh, we, we were terrifically horny. I mean, unbelievably <laughs> so. And on top of that, we went to an all boys junior high school and yes. an all boys high school. So in these formative years, these years where you know the sap is flowing, and you're, you're, you're all you become is a vice. Uh, you know, ambidextrous. That's what happens to you. You know, because <laughs> uh, you, you can't meet girls. It was impossible. We had such terrible times. So when I finally got to college and it was co-ed, I found that I didn't really know how to relate to women. I, I really didn't. I mean, I had spent these years from 12 to 17, uh, or yeah, 12 to 17 with guys. So no, most guys couldn't put anything over on me, and that helped me when I went into the movie business. Because that was, that was, you know, that was but but women could have for years could have uh, done a job on me, and and many of them did. Uh, when I say that, I mean they they I didn't know what was going on. I thought they they would go here and I would go there, and then I'd find out no, we're supposed to go here and there. I had a wonderful story which I like to tell. 
I was, there was a girl, I, I was going through a divorce with my first wife, and there was a woman I was working with who I thought was terrific, and I wanted a date. And uh, so I said to her, let's go out, let's go out. And she said, no, 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 when, when you're divorced, we'll go out. I don't want to go out now. Okay. So I, I can't stop. I mean, uh, and I keep asking her, and she comes into my office, and I say, I don't understand this. And she says, I'll tell you what, so press it. So I start pressing because I thought, I, as I told you, I didn't know what the hell I'm doing. I thought I had been pressing, but I wasn't, according to her. So I really go after her. And finally, she says to me, what are you doing? Can't you take no for an answer? I uh, said, well, you, you said so press it. She said, I said, sir, press it. So press it. <laughs> well, you heard what you wanted to hear. Exactly. Okay. That Most kids at your age in school, would deliver pizza. You had a business mind and you did dry cleaning in the basement of your school. How the frick did you get away with that? Um, you know, I'll when I wrote it, Ron and Jimmy, I had no idea. I said, holy cow, I paid nothing for it. I made 20% of everything I took in. The kids had no place to go but the basement if right. they wanted their clothes clean. <laughs> Now, in those days, there was enough people who didn't even care about cleaning their clothes, but the majority did. It was the best deal I ever made. No rent, 20%. And all I had to do was tie the clothes up, and the guy who owned the cleaners came and picked it up. I did nothing but make money on that. God, that was a great beginning. And from there, <laughs> yeah, Yeah, but no, don't go from there. Look where you went. That yeah. gave you an idea of how to work it. You weren't going to work for anybody. You were going to be your own boss, your own man. And you went on to becoming, uh, what is it, Metro Gold, MGM, was it? No, Paramount. Pa Paramount. Head of Paramount. Which you didn't like. Right. I read I read that part. And, and, then, <laughs> and then all the things that you accomplished. I mean, the book is just full of wonderful adventures of a man who is achieving things and taking chances and meeting celebrities, meeting creeps, meeting phonies, meeting users. Wait meeting a sec. So Meet, meeting, wait, meeting wonderful people. I just want people to understand the flavor of this book. It's not a bore. It's not a, a lousy read. It's every page like, oh, my God, what's this guy doing now? What's this guy doing? Now? <laughs> so first of all, we should tell everybody you can find out more about Julian by going to Julian Schlossberg producer dot com because um, he's not real active on Instagram. So it's Julian Schlossberg producer dot com. And so I Googled you because I went through your website and looked at everything and I read a bunch of things from the book. Um and then I just Googled you to get other information that might not, you know, be so on your website. And it said, uh, one thing that I said, when, if it's incorrect, this is your Wikipedia. So, <laughs> but it says that out of the plays you produced, um, the, with the plays you produced, you have six Tony Awards, two OB Awards, seven Drama Desk Awards, and five Outer Critics Circle Awards, which I don't know what that last one is, but I know what the other three are. <laughs> well, three out of four is pretty good. I mean, yes. I'll, I'll buy that. that that's um, you know, you're that's, a big, that's a huge deal, though. I mean, a Tony but, Award doesn't get any bigger than that in the world of Broadway. That's like, you know, that's your Academy Award, and six of them is no little feat. Julian, wait, let him talk. Are, oh, sorry. I, I see you make me. You put me in a coma when you well, let him talk. Well, just just let him go. <laughs> it puts me in some kind of a trance. <laughs> I, you know, I, was, I don't know what the fuck he's talking about. <laughs> I, I was so, I was so. Shocked that we had gone this long without any bickering. I was shocked. 
but I feel better now. I, that was a good Zippo. And now, who remembers the question? I don't remember the question. Who argues loves? It be beware, beware of my indifference, my mother would say. If I'm <laughs> indifferent to you, it means you're not worth arguing with. Don't you agree with that? Totally, 100%. Uh, in fact, I've been known to take an about face and just walk out. Me too. I'm famous. Yeah. I, oh, I love the way you did that in the book. Uh, we'll get we'll get to that part. Three okay. people I admire in my life: Lee Winkler, who was my dearest friend, who was the president of Global Enterprise, the investment. Lee and I were like brothers. Betty Davis, who I knew and admired because she was a genius and ran the studio. And now you. Not because you're here, not because I'm doing a bullshit story on you, but... No, he you, actually likes you a I, lot. I, I, no, no, no not, not too many people impress me, and I've met the biggest ones like you have. I mean, I've met some of the... The biggest ones I've met were the most boring sometimes. Yeah, yeah. You, am I right? They were so full of you themselves. Right. One thing about Betty Davis, who I didn't know the way you did, I only, only did an interview with her. You could call her a lot of things, but you'd never say boring. No. Well, I'm the only one that could say I sold her a toilet seat that was foam rubber that with vinyl over it. And she said to me, oh, I love my toilet seat. I read all my scripts while I'm sitting on it. <laughs> so that's what she thought of some of her scripts. Yeah. But well, who else could say they knew Betty intimately to sell her a toilet seat? Um, you have it. And I hate to say this because I want I don't want people out there to think I'm bullshitting or making it up or, or want anything from you, you know. I, I'm saying this because you earned it. I believe in rewarding people for what they've achieved in life. I don't like giving it away for, to people who don't deserve it. I'm pissed off at that. If you don't earn it, you don't work hard for it, and you get it, like my mother was like a famous movie star or my father was a famous movie star, and now I'm in the business. I didn't have to go through any of the slings and arrows of getting there. That pisses me off. You came from a, a little apartment in the Bronx, with a very strict mother, who was very strict, and a dad who fell in, who, who, who like, listened to her. He was like a Hamish man. Hamish folks, for you that are not Jewish, Hamish is like a, a, a nice guy, a, a home family man. Um, from there, you became who you are today. You have a, I, please read this, get this book so you know what I'm talking about, folks. You'll feel the same way. This man has, he met Cary Grant. Give me a break. I hate your guts. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Cary, I always wanted to be Cary Grant. I did. You know, Bro, do you know his famous story, Ron and Jimmy? Oh, did you tell, me, tell me. Tell me. I'll, do, I'll make it quick. At the end of his oh. life, he, he decided to stop. He said he was too old. He had made a last movie. was called Walk, Don't Run. wasn't much of a film, but he was a, the love interest, and he said, this is ridiculous. So right. he went around the country with clips of his movies and appeared and, of course, made a lot of money because he money was important to him. He grew up without a mother who found out she was in a, in a sane asylum. Sad stuff. But they interviewed him, and this person interviewing him was saying, Oh, you're incredible. You're so suave. You're so handsome. You're so rich. And he finally said, listen, I'd like to be Cary Grant. Right. right, right. He said, I wish you were Cary Grant. That's but right. no, I really loved, I mean, I, I thought he was probably, well, everything you just said. 
And here you are at the Bistro Gardens, my favorite restaurant years ago. I used to love it. The strawberries, remember? When you walked in in the center, the pile of these most delicious wet strawberries. Oh, my God. I used to go nuts. And everybody and their mother was at Bistro Gardens. I met Merle Oberon there. I met Michael Caine there. I met so many of the great movie stars of the mm -hmm. 70s in Bistro Gardens. Also La Dome and also the, uh, the, the L'Orangerie. Those were the three restaurants in town that we all frequented. And if you went there and, of course, you didn't disturb them if you didn't know them, but I was in the business so I could disturb them. And also if I was lunching with Lee Winkler, always a celebrity came over, like Joan Collins' sister came over and said, hello, Lee, and she wasn't very nice to him. Oh, so, really? Hey, why isn't Jackie Collins nice to you? He said, oh, he said, my ex-wife, that's her best friend. I said, oh, I got it. He said, yeah, he said, those bitches got after me like you can't believe. <laughs> so meeting Jackie Collins was fun. I mean, I just met like you. Have, that's why I love your book. I love your book because you were a fan just like I am. As yeah. big as you were, whoever you met, you enjoyed. You were honored to know them. It's true. And, and uh, it, especially, as you mentioned, Cary Grant, because in many ways, to me, he was the the quintessential movie star. Absolutely. I have a doll this big of his up there. We have a Cary Grant doll I have a Cary Grant doll this big. Yeah. And, and I was lucky to become friendly with Stanley Donnan, who directed uh, Carrie in about four or five movies. Right. So I would keep saying, tell me about Carrie Grant. Tell me about Carrie Grant. And well, the other person I did that with was Danny Thomas, because I, I got to know Danny through Marlo, who's my dear friend. Right. And 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 I, uh, I'd i say, tell me about Al Jolson. Tell me about Eddie Cantor, <laughs> you know, because it those are the people that influenced you and me. Uh, Jimmy, you're, you're younger than we are, right? Yes. Much younger. Yeah, I'll be 59 this year. So that's a lot younger. I'll be 59. So I'm yeah. younger. We, we could be your daddy. I don't know who a lot of No, the, but I uh, married him for his money. People I, I think he married me for my money. I married him for his money. I actually know um, because I, honestly, I never watched Turner Classic movies in my entire life until I met Ron. But now we watch it all the time. And I have certain movies that are like North, North by Northwest is, is one of right. my favorite movies. A Letter to Three Wives is one of my favorite movies. Right. Wonderful, right? Every and, time and we watch Gary Cooper that we just watched. Now every time Gary we Cooper watch fan. a Turner classic movie, I say, oh, that one is, I know that one. I give him a story about, he said, Jesus Christ, everybody on television, you know. I said, well, listen, when you live in Hollywood since 1949, you know, and back and forth, you're going to meet a lot of people. Um, my Cary Grant story is, you know, people say he's gay or bisexual. Terry Moore, who's my buddy, you know, Terry Moore, actress. Of course. Oh, my Mary God. She she was another one who sent me into the bathroom. <laughs> oh, well, well, I love I love Terry is a sweetheart. Ninety seven. She and still looks great, and she walks two miles a day in Santa Monica, where she lives. Anyway, she she named her son Grant after Cary Grant. She was best oh. friend, best friends with Cary Grant, and then, and we had him on the show right. Grant because he's the star of Killer Clowns from Outer Space, which is a cult horror well, film. Wait, Terry Moore said to me, Ron, I have no idea why. People thought Cary Grant was gay. He used to come to my house and say, you know, Terry, why are they saying I'm gay? I'm not gay. So I don't know whether she was covering up. The Randolph Scott story was the it's one. That, I mean, they're late. They're, you know, men can live together and not be gay, as we know. I'm not, not a, but, <laughs> but, but, 
<laughs> it's so funny because, you know, Cary Grant, I mean, Terry Moore came to see me in um, Paramount when I was at Paramount, and she wanted to do the story of her and Howard Hughes. Right. The public didn't know this was in the 70s, and she had not gone public yet with it, I don't think. So uh, so I got to meet her, uh, even though uh, after Peyton play, she had knocked me on my my backside. You know, she was a hot little chick. Come uh, back to Sheba. That's where she was the hottest on yeah. the sofa, remember? Well, especially when it's against Shirley Booth. <laughs> she good actress, Shirley Booth. She was a terrific actress. So real quick, what I want to do, because last time we had you on, we ran out of time. This time we won't. But And, and I have two videos, and we only played one of them last time. We're going to play both of them throughout the time we're talking to you. But Juan, play the second video. It's like a celebrity endorsement video of the book, so people get an idea a little bit about it. And um, if you don't buy this book, you're crazy. I'm and, telling uh, you right now. So I'm going to – I'll introduce you real quick. So Juan, let's play it. Uh, try not to hold it against me. A producer's life, the celebrity uh, endorsement video. Julian Schlossberg is not only the best storyteller in show business, he's also one of the best writers. What a great ride this is. It will have readers laughing out loud and giving a standing ovation. A brilliant tale of show business. Julian's gift in life and in this book is how he delivers information or shared stories. It is always communicated with heart, soul, and humor. If I only had the chance to read this book when I started as an actor, I would have been introduced to the world of show business it took me decades to discover. The memoir is a joy to read and a trip down memory lane. A love letter to show business, written by one of the best and funniest in the industry. A fascinating memoir that will delight any reader. I felt that was standing on Julian's shoulder, seeing VIP doors suddenly open. Julian writes of stars like Al Pacino, Orson Welles, The Beatles, Shirley MacLaine, George C. Scott, Burt Reynolds, so many more. You'll love this book. I promise. Julian Schlossberg has already proven that he's an A-plus Broadway producer, but here he proves that he's a damn good storyteller. From his childhood in the Bronx to his future in film, Schlossberg shines with this gripping account of what it takes to make it big. I hope that for anyone interested in show business, the secrets revealed in Try Not to Hold It Against Me will surprise and entertain and will not be held against me. Yay. So first of all, I know everybody in that video. I know who all of them are. We actually had Steve, uh, before Ron was on the show, we had Steve Gutenberg on the show. Um, so he's actually been a guest on the show, and I love Elizabeth Berkeley. Yeah, so, well, so I know everybody in the video. They, they are. Um, it's good that you know everyone because I caught the fact that you hadn't known Elaine, and I, I now that you know all of these people, I feel a little better. Oh, good. I knew the name Elaine May, but believe it or not, I actually thought she was like a big Broadway singer person. Is who I thought she was because Marilyn, Marilyn May. Uh, there's another Elaine. So there's another Elaine who's a big UK British uh, star who's a big Broadway star in Britain. I, I, it's Elaine somebody. I don't know who. You see, but. Julian, my mother was a silent movie actress. So my mother, we lived in New York, and all she talked about was Rudolph Valentino, Vilma Banki, 
Natasha Rombova. She talked about silent films. She talked about, I've got to get to California. Now she's married to my father. My father was European, brought up uh, weirdly because uh, he had to denounce being Jewish so he wouldn't be killed by the Nazis. You know, the whole family became Christian, but they were originally Jews. But many Jews in Genoa, where we come from, were Christian. Uh, about Jews, I mean, who became Christians because of the, the war. I forgot what I was saying. I don't know, but I was thinking. Oh, wait. So my mother brought was me. was film star or in the she silent. She brought me up with all the names, Barbara Stanwyck, Joan Crawford, Betty Davis, Ida Lupino. I knew Ida Lupino's sister very well. Beautiful girl. She was a dancer. And she told me stories about Ida and Howard Duff, an automobile accident where Ida was drinking and driving and her mother was killed in that car crash. And Ida never quite got over it. So I learned so many of the inside stories, as you have. You have put a lot of those inside stories in your book, but delicately. You didn't do it in a gossipy way or like a yenta. You did it like nice. You know, you, you did it with respect. That's the word. Most writers of books that I read are nasty and they say cruel things about people. You brought to light the not maybe the best side of people, but we understand that everyone has two sides. What I enjoyed most was the Shirley MacLaine part about going to dinner and leaving the, 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 the studio and she had to sign all those autographs. Yeah. Shirley was sure I met Shirley McLean in Malibu at the at um, the colony. Yeah, she lived there. Yeah, two friends of mine, two doctors, I won't mention their names, rented a house two doors down, and I got to meet Shirley and sat on her sheepskin upholstery. <laughs> I was freaking out. I was sitting on sitting on sheepskin, animal skin. But anyway, she was lovely and very, very sweet and very, very uh, intelligent. We talked a little bit about the hereafter. Um, what I what I point I wanted to get was these two doctors were talking about the reason I won't give their name is they were well one was Saul Lux who cares anyway he's dead so he was a urologist and he and Harry Eisenbach and they were talking about double billing their patients so they could buy a sailboat <laughs> and I thought Shirley McLean was going to have a nervous breakdown from that so hang on hang on so first of all, I want to go back just for two seconds. And I always thought, I thought Elaine May was Elaine Page. I couldn't think of who it was. Elaine, Elaine, Page. Yeah, Elaine Page. But it was also very famous, um, but I didn't know. And then, so in the book, because uh, that was one of the chapters I actually liked was the one, it's called Flirting with the Paranormal. And that was like all about Shirley MacLaine. And I thought that was a great mm -hmm. chapter. I read, I read like 30 chapters, but there's, but there's, uh, they're very short chapters, everybody. Like some of them are only like a page or two long <laughs> and there's 86 of them in the book. The one, um, the one joke you wrote that I loved, that I laughed my ass off, was, oh, some people think that Joan of Arc was married to Noah. I <laughs> love that one. That one, I, I was so clever. And the <laughs> other one, that wasn't that funny? And the other one was, um, oh, Jesus, I was there and it flew away. It'll come back to me. But there's a lot of uh, quickies in that book that make you laugh, which is New York humor. Uh, first of all, I must say something about Jewish comedians. They're the best because... They, they mostly came from poverty. They came from uh, cruelty. They came from abuse. I don't mean by their parents. I mean by society. And they learned to laugh, and they learned to make fun with it. That's why they are the greatest comedians. You wrote in your book a lot of one-liners that I cracked up from because it's so New York. 
Well, yeah. As you know, that's what gets us through the day, you know, (laughs) to laugh. Uh, So I I was always attracted to comedy. Uh, My dad, um, who was a wonderful man, took me to the theater as about a four-year-old boy to see the Marx Brothers in A Night in Casablanca. Uh, (laughs) It turned out to be the last movie they made together uh, fully that they were in. They did did a movie, Love Happy, at the end with Marilyn Monroe, but they just made cameos. Uh, uh, Groucho came in to help them because they were on their ass. But the exciting part about that, and it's a great thing about life and a full circle, I ended up buying the negative of a night in Casablanca. I owned it for the world uh, for 30 years. So, you know, it's funny how that happens. You you end up, that was your first movie, and then you own it? I mean, that if I put that in a book, I wouldn't believe it, but I put it in. <laughs> Listen, you have so much going on in this book that it's impossible to remember. I only remember the things that I, that I did. Uh, the Carlton Terrace. And Khan, oh, oh, you yeah. know, what a wonderful place that is. Yeah. Um, I, I have a film right now that I'm in is appearing in Khan. I'm so happy about that. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's called, what's it called? Now it's, it's called The Possession of Anne. The Possession of Anne. I play a doctor, and my film is right now in Khan, which makes me happy that I'm 83 and I'm still happening. You're still happy. You're no, still, yeah, still working. You're, I'm still working. I got six films ahead. Yeah. I, it's true. By the way, you know what? I want to to ask you something. We discussed a lead for the movie I wrote, and I'm in, and you suggested Renee Taylor. I just saw a picture of Renee Taylor looking absolutely fantastic. She looks gorgeous. Is that just a done-up picture, or does she look like that in person? I'd have to see the picture, but, uh, you know, she has a life force that is so impressive. I mean, to be 90 years old and to have that strength, uh, it's incredible. It's its one of the things I admire about the people in show business. Not all of them, of course, but right. so many of them have that grit, that toughness, or else how could they make it, as we both know? Right. One of the things that, I mean, you know, I've been very fortunate to be very close to a lot of talented people. But one of the reasons, I and I, don't, I didn't realize it till I wrote the book, was that I recognize that they've been through, as you started to say, Ron, they've been rejected, they've been lied to, they've been, and so when they finally make it, they're angry. Many of them are damaged goods as human beings. Barbara Streisand. Well, I've never felt that way with Barbara. Honestly. Oh, wait. Listen, in, a, in an article I read, an interview of hers, somebody said to her, why are you such a bitch? And she said, I'm just getting even with those that were mean to me coming up the ladder, calling me ugly, my nose was too big. You know, they, the, this business could be very cruel, as you know. I yeah. mean, they kiss your ass to make you a star, and then they love to tear you down and say terrible things about you, That's which right. is the negative part of our business. But yeah. Renee, I know Renee Taylor. I don't know if she remembers me, but we spent time when she was in Pennsylvania in New Hope. I was with Joe Bologna while she was on the stage reading her book. And Joe and I did an hour of All About Him, which is wonderful. Sweetest guy in the world. And Renee said, Ron, is there a good steak place around here? I said, I don't eat steak. I don't know. But, you know, whatever. 
I, is Renee in New York or LA now? What New is she? York. She moved from she moved from LA, like you guys are going to do. Okay, she so when I, when I come in in July, I'm going to contact her. I'd like to have lunch with her and see what she's all about. Well, and I'm happy to I'm happy to help you if you have any trouble you finding her. No, I want you there too. <laughs> oh, you think I'm not going to meet you? You're out of your friggin' mind. Who said that? I, oh, no. I, I'm outraged if anyone. I have, I have to tell you because, like, okay. So and I don't do this with anybody, tell you the truth. You know how many people in New York that want to see me? I can't. So he's been on the show for 10 years. And in those 10 years, we've had, you know, hundreds and hundreds, like 600 guests or something. Uh, and literally, like, there's a handful that you can count on one hand that who he. He likes so much that I mean, he was very excited that you were coming on the well, show. Well, Eileen today. Shapiro, Jimmy's partner, she came yeah. on our show. Eileen and I fell in love. We were the best of friends, and the two of them decided to form their PR company. So it's Jimmy Star and Eileen Shapiro called World Star PR. World Star uh, PR. But you're in a handful. You're in a, of the, all the people that we've come. You know why, uh, Jimmy? He really likes you a lot. I swear to you, I'm not lying. You have to believe me. I hate the people that say I'm not lying because they're usually lying. Uh -oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, really, that's why they're apologizing for lying. You know, the best one, Ron, is they say, let, uh, let me be very truthful with you now. And you think, what has been going on? I have one friend left, Mike Greco. He lives in New York, and I grew up with him. Of course, he's not in the business. But... When I'm with him, I feel badly because he lives normally. He doesn't have my life. And I sense a little bit of, um, not envy, but a little bit of, uh, gee, I wish it were me. And I don't like doing that. How the hell do you handle it? How many people do you intimidate when you meet and they think, oh, my God, this man has been so around so much. How He's not going to want to talk to me. I'm nobody. I'm only a salesperson in a shoe store. Well, it's a funny thing that you say that. Um, I had a college roommate that I really cared for a lot. We were really yeah. good friends. And and he stopped uh, talking to me. I, he right. didn't take my calls. And I was really hurt by it. And um, I I finally got him on the phone. And he said, well, look, uh, you know, you've gone, you've gotten, you've done this. I said, I said, have I changed? Did I change as a human being? He said, oh, no, but I didn't think of it that way. I said, well, I haven't changed. Why are you? I mean, I'm not. I, I just come. Let's let's see each other. Okay, he said. I'm coming to New York in a week or two. Can we have lunch? So we had lunch. We had a wonderful time. And he said, I come once a month to New York, and I can't wait to do it next month. And I never heard from him again. Sure. Oh, shit. that's what happened. You know, I've been called fancy schmancy. I'm far from fancy schmancy. Trust me, far from that person. I'm not a slob either, but I'm not. <laughs> But I'm not fancy schmancy. Um, people think I name drop. I don't name drop. I talk about people I know, friends of mine. I can't help it if I have movie stars that are good, dear friends of mine. What am I supposed to do? Not talk. talk. I'm going to talk about you to somebody. And then they're going to say, <laughs> then they're going to say, oh, there you go. Another name. Now we got to hear the Julian name. Well, you just came into my life. Of course, I'm going to talk about you. If I were Joe Blow, the plumber, I'd be talking about greasing up your sink. 
right? <laughs> and nobody gets upset about that. But if I talk about going to uh, a red carpet with Sophia Loren, everybody, oh, there he goes, name dropping again, name dropping. And that pisses me off the most. I do not name drop. I simply talk about my life. And I'm sorry if I have important people. Well, in it. And that's I'm afraid that's kind of what happens. I, I have a chapter called name dropping. And, yes. and that's and, that's I'm sure that's, that's what my leading favorite. Up to. That's 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 what I'm leading up to. <laughs> I, I mean, you should interview me. I want he's like an interviewer. He <laughs> is not, an interviewer. He had a radio. No, show I know a TV that. Show. But he's he's jumping my gun. Okay, big shot. Talk about it. I'm a little shot. No, talk about it. Go ahead, Schmeckle. Talk about it. Wait a second. Wait a second. Am I talking about name dropping? Is that it? Yeah, I want you to talk about like, talk about that section of the book. Oh. What did you prompt? What prompted you to do it? Well, I guess it was a. It's an interesting. You know, all I try to do, you know, and people have been very kind and say you're a wonderful writer, and I know what a wonderful writer is. I'm not a wonderful writer, but I'm a good storyteller. You're I can, a street writer. A street yeah. writer. That's right. I can That's tell a story. Honesty. I can tell a story. So <laughs> at that point, I was very close to Barbara Streisand, and she invited me to a birthday party. She had run into Jack Nicholson in New York City. He was doing the movie Wolf, and they have the same birthday, not the same year, but the same day and, and, and same month. So I, I went to this party, and it was at Liza Minnelli's house. So you keep naming names, Nicholson. And, uh, uh, and, I, and, I, and I, when I walk in the door, uh, there's a, it's a very big apartment Liza has on the east side, and there's a lot of people standing there. And I walk in, and Barbara and Liza say, he's the guy, and they come running towards me. The party stops, and the people are saying, <laughs> Who the hell is this? Right. You know, it's so funny. You watch, you can see their faces. Zero, zero, zero. No idea. Zero, no, no. And they both took me by the hand and led me into a room. I didn't care where I was going at this point. I was just thrilled to be with these two major talents. Right. And she and Barbara said, he's the guy who will love this. And they take me into this room on the wall are the drawings of the Radio City musical. Oh. It turns out that Vincent Minnelli, right. his father, had drawn them. He, he had put together, I mean, this great director, one of the few that could do both musicals and straight uh, drama, had, had been the man who did this absolute architectural drawings. Well, I was in hog heaven. I just stood there and watched and saw the things that come up and go down, and it was great, and it was wonderful. After that, I, I went to get to the, looked like a captain's table on a buffet. I mean, you know, you go, every, every kind of food imaginable. I took the food, but I didn't know. I, I knew almost no one at this party. I knew that they were famous. I knew who they were, but I didn't know them. So I, And also, I'm, not, I'm much more comfortable when I'm giving the party than when I go to a party. And so I, I, I looked for a room that nobody was in because there was a lot of rooms. So I took my plate and I went into this room where there was a bartender. He had no, he had no clients, just me, and I don't drink, so I was really bad. And I sat down on a windowsill and I'm eating my food and quite happy to be alone and uh, enjoying myself. And the real high I got from Barbara and Liza 
when a woman comes by and I don't look up and she says, uh, can I sit here? I said, well, of course. And she sits next to me and I'm eating. And she says, are you, and she turns to me and says, are you a friend of Barbara's or Jack's? I said, oh, oh I'm a friend of Barbara's. And I look over and it's Michelle Pfeiffer. Now, oh, Michelle Pfeiffer at this point in her life is truly drop dead gorgeous. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Love her. And without no makeup, nothing. I mean, she looks just beautiful. Yep. And she's so sweet and so in. And we're talking back and forth. She's so excited because she's just adopted a, a child and is so anxious to share it with me. And, and I'm happy to listen. And uh, I tell her a little bit about myself and she says about herself. And we both then get up and go into the party. And uh, I thank God Mike Nichols was there because he was directing Wolf and Jack and Michelle. So he calls me over. I was so happy. I knew someone. And we start talking. Nicholson comes over. We start talking. He had been on my show, and he loved an actor named Charlie Grapewin. Do you guys know who even that is? I don't no. know who that is. Well, he, he, you'll look it up, and you'll see. Ron, he did a million movies, and and uh, he was, oh, I think he's I think he's the uh, the uncle in Wizard of Oz with Aunt, Auntie M. I think okay, he's, I know who he is. I know who he is. Yeah, and yes, he's did a million films. And, and yes, Nicholson, Nicholson loved him. He yeah. said he's the greatest. So I said, oh, you still you still like Charlie Grapewin? And he gave me that big smile, a Nicholson smile. How do you know that? You know, <laughs> But I did. Okay, so I'm just about to, I think it's time to leave. When someone's tapping me in the shoulder, I turn around, and it's Michelle Pfeiffer. She said, I was at the elevator, but I forgot to say goodbye to you. So oh, I came, came back to say goodbye. Well, I got to tell you, there was never a moment, there was never one moment in in Michelle's uh, head that she was interested in me as anything but a fellow human being. Yeah. Uh, uh, I can't say the same. <laughs> uh, hey, hey, happily married, remember? Got oh, no, it wasn't then. Oh, then you could say it. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. This is my third. This is it. I'm done. I mean, I, they, I wouldn't they, mind spending a night with Michelle Pfeiffer either. Trust me, she's, my, she's my type. My ex-wife resembled her. She looked on that order. Blonde, she, I had a very beautiful wife. Was she an actress? No, she was a model, Hendrika, the famous um, uh, Cody model, Hendrika. Oh, oh. She a beauty. Uh, she looked like um, Joanne, a beautiful Joanne Woodward. Right, right. But I, I blonde, love, you know, white, blonde, green I love Wolf. I love Michelle Pfeiffer and I love Jack Nicholson. So that would have been like a an amazing, you know, thing. And he's resurfaced again recently. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but he's. I don't think he's going to make any more movies. I don't no, think so either. I don't think so either. He's at the Lakers. Now wait a minute. Though. I want to go here. Hang on before you do that, because there's a lot of people who maybe don't know you if they didn't listen to the first show. So let me just brag a little bit for you, real quick, and give I you love a little bit. Really so you guys, first of all, this is Julian Schlossberg. He's produced more than 60 works in film, theater, and television. He's born in New York City. He began his career at ABC Network. He became the VP and head film buyer for the theater division of the Walter Reed Organization, which I didn't actually know what that was. I had to look it up. Um, he hosted Movie Talk, where he interviewed hundreds of stars. He was the VP of Paramount Pictures. He left to find Castle Hill to find to develop Castle Hill Productions, which became one of the largest independent film right. distribution companies. He's the co-founder of Merlion News and Goldcastle Records. And actually, it says you're currently producing 
Witnesses to the 20th Century TV series examining the century's major events through the experiences of its most prominent people. Is that still going on? Yes, uh, it's still going on, and uh, I'm still editing away. I have 140 people, and I want to do 14 hours, and Elaine May is writing and, and, and directing it, and I'm producing it and doing all the interviews. So, yes, it's, it's quite and and he's worked with Jack Nicholson, George Burns, Jane Fonda, Shirley MacLaine, George C. Scott, which I didn't know that one. Last time we didn't mention George C. Scott. Right. Anthony Hopkins, Bob Hope, Betty Davis, Angela Lansbury, Dustin Hoffman, Clint Eastwood, Bruce Springsteen, Mia Farrow, Woody Allen, Burt Reynolds, Twiggy, Alfred Hitchcock, Peter Falk, Elaine May, Barbara Streisand, and there's a bunch more, you guys, but those are the ones. You have to get the book. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I want to say something, and then I'll show you the, the index in the back. There are about seven or eight pages a very fine print here. Look how fine that print is. <laughs> Nobody can see it. You that. can't even see it. There it, <laughs> there is. it is. Of names of the celebrities he's worked with, about eight pages, which is really ridiculous. You know, I've read I read all I read Betty Davis's book, my buddy Jane Russell. I loved her book. It was a well, of course, because I loved her and I knew Jane well, so I was able to relate to the book. But here. He has things marked in the book, actually. Yeah, this, this is, I want him to write about this because it's, this is very dear to my heart. Why are we here or what's it all about? I do not have the answer. Speak up. I do not have the answer. Now I want to hear you talk about that. Why are we here? Why are we here? What's it all about? Do you remember that passage? That I do. Chapter? I do. Okay. Let's well, talk about that. I, what's your beliefs? I, I think, I, I have no idea why, but I hope it's to personally evolve. I hope that whatever we didn't like about ourselves, or, or maybe others told us they didn't like about us, that we try to change, that we do take a kind of interest in who we are. We have a, we have a choice. You know, you can blame your mother, your father, your wives, your cousins, your kids, but the, ba the, ba the bottom line is it's we who's going to do it. We have to decide. I mean, I had a terrible temper, really awful. Uh, I, and I'm basically an easygoing guy, but I had a bad temper. And my wife, Marin, came into my life. And like Androcles and the lion, she took the, the thorn out of my paw. And I, I, I can say I've not lost my temper in almost 30 years now. Uh, I've come close, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have a way to go yet. I only lose my temper with Jimmy because nobody else is important enough for me to lose my temper. Well, that's a, that's a very good point. If you really care about someone, it's a peculiar problem the other person has because you know you know you, you care that much that you get angry. Otherwise, you couldn't care less. You right. know, it's a peculiar kind of problem we all human beings have. Yeah. No, no, but Jimmy understands me because, as I said, I'm Italian. And he's Irish and English, which tends to be on the cool side. Italians have terrible tempers. And, of course, my Jewish blood, you know, Jews have tempers too. Bad, big time. <laughs> <laughs> my father, oh, God rest his soul, he was to put more fists through the wall than anybody. I mean, he had to plaster it up. He would yep. put his fist through the wall. I'm not lying. No. He was a tough guy. I came from very tough parents. My mother, you know, she was... A, she was born in Ninth Avenue, Hell's Kitchen girl. So my mother was a tough broad who wanted so badly to be a famous actress and never made it because my father wouldn't permit it. Oh, yeah. They're all putane, they're all curve. All curve, curve women. You cannot be, a, a, you know, no. It, he wasn't going to let his wife be a whore. And yeah. it was a, a dirty women do that. My mother, he would say, oh, you love Barbara Stry uh, Barbara Stanwyck. Stanwyck. 
They're yeah. all lesbian. They're lesbians, fags, he said, and dope addicts and drunks and garbage. My father had a really wonderful idea of Hollywood, but <laughs> partly so, partly so. I was going to say, he's not that off. At not that off. Not that <laughs> off. But, but I, wanted, uh, I wanted to, if I might, tell you sure. a, a George C. Scott. Absolutely, whatever you George, like. If I may. I love um, Whatever you like. I had gotten to know George C. Scott. He had come on with Trish Vandiver on my radio show, and we really hit it off, and I ended up spending a lot of time with the two of them. And... Um, when I when I was in California, because like uh, I was bi-coastal for many many years, living in Brentwood, and anyhow, uh, we were having we were at the Bel Air Country Club, wonderful okay. hotel, yep. and uh, we were having drinks. And I don't drink, uh, but I drank that night. Uh, screwdrivers, you know, orange juice and uh, vodka, having no idea that it can really create because it seemed like orange juice to me. I so I'm downing them pretty. Having no idea you can really get high or drunk on it. Um, at the end of the evening, George and I, arms around each other, are walking down the beautiful paths of the Bel Air, singing songs of the 50s. Uh, <laughs> and, and, I'm, and I stop and I say, George, I am having the best time. This is great. I have to do this more often. George C. Scott turns around. He grabs me on the shoulders that power that he had, this is not great. I don't want you thinking drinking is great. I want you to do me a favor. I want you to tell me right now you won't do this again. <laughs> you won't, and you didn't. I, I mean, I'll tell you something. Nobody could ever sober up fast. George C. Scott holding your shoulders and screaming in your face, <laughs> I sobered up, and I never did drink again. I never got drunk again. So well, it was interesting because he had the drinking problem, and he didn't want that to happen to his friend. So Jimmy, I was touched Jimmy, by that. Jimmy and I do not drink. Jimmy never drank or did pills or any medication. Jimmy doesn't take a, a, a mayonnaise or any kind of dressing. I'm very weird. So he I've eats, never done any drugs ever. I drank until I figured out I was gay and that I like men, and then I stopped drinking. I only did that to pick up women, and, and I don't eat. Believe it or not, so I came from a weird family, uh, and I don't eat condiments, so I don't eat ketchup, mustard, mayonnaise, or salad dressing. Now you talked about and, and wait, wait, let me. So when I was young, I'm segueing in, go. go the, there's this restaurant called the Golden Corral. I don't know if they have it in New York, <laughs> but anyway, it's like you pay fifteen dollars and it's Golden all you can Corral. eat. And yeah. I would like go in there and I would see all the really fat people, and, yeah. and they had so much ketchup, mustard, and mayonnaise and stuff right. on it that I automatically just assumed that's how you get fat is by eating condiments. Um, and so I, that's right. I didn't like him ever since then. I and mean, I even did a Heinz ketchup commercial back when I was young. Yeah. Uh, okay. Let's talk about a failure. You made a, you had a failure, Nursula. <laughs> no, that was Nursula. not a failure. No, no, no. But Ron, wait a second. I've had failure up the gazillion. I'm not, I'm not, but not Nursula. Nursula, well. I'll tell that story. I, yes, was offered, I was offered a movie called uh, Nurse Anna. It starred Ursula Andress and Jack Palance. Uh, Ursula, in four scenes, took off all her clothes. Jack Palance, thank God, kept his on. <laughs> and, and, and so I looked at this movie, and at that time, it was the early days of pay television. It wasn't just HBO and Showtime and the movie channel, which were separate at that time, Showtime and the movie channel. 
But it was all these what they called standalones all over the country, in Philadelphia, in Boston, in uh, Los Angeles. In Los Angeles, there was three, the Z Channel, on TV, Select TV. So there were all these standalones, and I felt they could not show, uh, they could show what the regular TV couldn't show. They could show nudity. So this was a terrible movie. It ran two hours, and it was awful. But she was naked, and she was Ursula Andress, and so I decided to buy the film. And I bought the film, and I, as I was watching it the first time, I was editing in my head. This can go, this can go. And I, I bought the film, and I went to a friend of mine who was a projectionist. Would you show me this film again? He said, sure. He put it on, and it whizzed by much faster. I couldn't understand that. Maybe something had happened to my head. And I walked to the elevator, and he comes running out, the projectionist. Julian, Julian, please forgive me. I forgot to put on a double reel. <laughs> now, each reel is 10 minutes long, as you probably know. So he had forgotten 20 minutes. <laughs> so I said, wait a second. I said, let me see. Can you put them on now? He says, sure. So I watch it. Of that 20 minutes, I took out 17. And I was on my way. I was on my way. And I finally decided, I, I'm going to call this the sensuous nurse instead of Nurse Anna. And um, now in the middle of the movie, this, this the, the uh, so-called plot to this movie was an old man who was very rich is not dying. So his kids want him to die. They're going to bring in Ursula to screw him to death. That's the, <laughs> the brilliance of this movie. Uh, so uh, in the, in the about, about the third or fourth reel, uh, he's looking out the window. She's in a bathing suit. She takes off her clothes, is totally nude, and dives into the pool. I think to myself, I'm going to start the movie this way. Just going to start it this way. You know, you won't know anything except you'll know Ursula Andress is nude from the moment the movie starts. And and then I put it in the scene back where it was pulled where it was supposed to be in the first place. Nobody said anything. Everybody bought it. I mean, everybody bought it. I never had I never had a success like this. And my mother said, can't you find another nurse movie? Right. But somebody on the crew said they called it Nursula. Yeah, he said, why don't you call it Nursula? That's right. Which I thought was very funny. Yeah. I Couple really loyal uh, listeners who like love it. They listened to the last time you were on. They're loving it. Let's just. Oh, by the way, before you go there, guess what our viewership was on your last show? It was big. You oh. beat your show beat out our biggest show, which was John Barrowman. Yeah. The uh, big actor. Uh, you had more hits. We had more hits with your show than than any other show. Than ever. any other show ever. And we wow. have. Oh yeah, we have millions of hits. We get eight, nine, ten. No, no. John Behrman had almost 11 million. I think we got 15 million hits with you and Curry Graham. It's not just you because there's two of you on the show, right. and he's a really big star also. Um, but we got uh, a so lot of hits. So there you go. So you're a big shit, and you don't even know it. Uh, well, I certainly don't, but I'll definitely – I'm, I'm going to probably not go to sleep tonight thinking about it. No, but if, you know what, Julian? A whole lifetime you spent doing what you're doing. What a reward it is now to – be praised to be uh, thought of as 
such an important part of, of our business because the crap of today, the young jerks that are in our business today are destroying the glamour of Hollywood. They're destroying the business today. The scripts are, st are horrible. They're all beating up, shooting, killing, bloody. Nobody has any kind of empathy or sympathy or love. There's no story teaching the young decency, respectability anymore. Now it's parents are wrong and treat your parent like shit, curse in front of your mother, call her to go fuck herself. Things like that. We just saw a movie last night where the girl was a beast. The movie was the last. It's, thing he, it's called the last thing he told the, me. It's the a, last thing he told me. And the daughter is a total it's on bitch. Apple. It's on Apple. I mean, they're making. She tells her mother stuff. to shut the fuck up. Now, could you imagine telling your mother to shut the? My mother would have put me through a wall. And my father. <laughs> would have, my father would have finished me off. I mean, I would have. Been dead. I, would, I would say the same thing as, and my mother definitely would have put me through the wall. <laughs> My father would have come up and he would have shown his other side. Yeah. But so you see, I feel that the filmmakers today are not giving us now Voyager. Okay. The letter to Betty Davis movies, North by Northwest, Hitchcock's Birds or Hitchcock's Vertigo. Hey, let's let's talk about, know well, that. How about double indemnity? Yes, oh, not, you know, strangers yeah. on a train, you know. Yes. Shadow of I mean, uh, what's his name? Anyway, the point is, there are no longer any Marilyn Monroe, Jane Russell's, Kim Novak's, Rita Hayworth. The young girls today all look like street people, like you read them in the supermarket. There's no glamour. In our day, we sat in the theater and looked at the most beautiful people in the world, women and men. The sets were beautiful. The homes were beautiful. The cars were beautiful. We left the theater saying, you know what? I'm going to work hard. I want to be that person. I want what they have. Today's films are gray, sweaty walls, broken, dirty, shooting yeah, galleries. Half, this, half of this TV series is so dark, you can't barely dark. see it on the screen. I mean, what the hell are they trying to do? They're bringing us down. We are in such a depressed state right now. The United States has never been as depressed as it is now with the price of things, what's going on, and with this darkness in film and this negativity in film and shooting and killing and cursing and beating up and women look weird with spears and tattoos and garbage hair and purple hair. I mean, what the hell is going on? Is this what we're becoming? Is this who we're going to be soon? Well, I, I, I can tell you that it's very depressing to, to, but I will tell you a positive thing. Yes. So I want to hear that. I'm trying to get something positive into that because you just brought me down, Ron. <laughs> no, I don't mean to. I'm talking about something. No, I'm just kidding. You're absolutely right. I, I mean, I'd like to say, oh, no, you're mi missing something. I mean, I never thought that I would be thrilled to be my age. I'm thrilled. Oh, oh, he I says that all the time. I say that all the time. Thank God I'm 83. Yeah, that's right. That's how I feel. I wouldn't want to be around in 20 years, not the way oh, it's going. We had yeah. the best. But I'm doing a play right now uh, yes. uh, with Steve Guttenberg, Jimmy. Okay. Uh, he wrote a book called uh, The Guttenberg Bible. Yes. About, his, about his life. He may have come on to plug that. I don't know. No, we um, had him on years and years, like 10, 15, 12 we'll, years we'll ago. Have him, we'll have him on again. But I so, follow him on Instagram, so I've seen I've seen him promoting it on Instagram. Yeah, I so I, I, we, I call it now Tales from the Guttenberg Bible. It's a four-character play, and we're going to be in Sag Harbor at the Bay Street Theater. Now, that's the Hampton area, Ron. I know okay. it well. We love it. I We've know it there. well. I've been in that theater many times. Oh, great. So, oh, maybe you'll be there in time. And we'll have the whole month of August. 
we're going to be there at the end of July. If this, the strike goes off, then I have to go to Nevada for four weeks because I'm in a film called Death House. Oh. I can't say the star, but there's a big star I play as father. It's a good part for me. So we're going to have. No, but if the strike ends because we still need pre production time, uh, we won't have. So then we can still. So, so we'll, we'll still do July. We'll be there at the end of July. When, when is your pay plan? In August. The middle of August. Yeah. So maybe, maybe. We'll see. We'll see. I'd like, I'd like you to guys go as my guest. So I hope you'll be able to. We'll, well I always get we'll, comp. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> so wait a second. Wait a minute. I want to go back because he like, interrupted me. Julian. He interrupted. So we have three really, like, the most awesome, like, listener fans, friends. We really call them friends in the world. So one of them is B. Claudia, One of which you said lied to last time because she's already said she's read the book. It's fabulous. One is Cindy Lady Lake, and the other is Don Hinton. Just say hi to all three of them real quick. Well, hi, all three ladies. I Thank you for reading the book, and I hope that one day we all meet. Who knows? You never know. You Absolutely. Never know. So, Julian, fabulous. how are sales going on the book? Flying well, off the shelf? One of the most depressing experiences I've had is the fact that we sold out the first publication Good. of thousands of books uh, in two days, and the, I guess the publisher was caught flat-footed, and uh, we're waiting now for the next one to come out. According to Amazon, it'll be in July. Uh, the paperback is supposed to be next month, so I hope that all happens right now. Right now, though, it's uh, you can only get it on Kindle, I'm afraid. So, okay. But hopefully that'll change in the next month or so. And I strongly suggest that you get it if you are a Hollywood buff. If, if you love anything to do with movies and Hollywood, this man certainly writes like it's real. He doesn't write bullshit. You know, some people are so flowery. You know, what the hell are they talking about? Because they don't, they don't, they don't have a life. They don't have a story. So they have to put all the bullshit in to make it sound interesting. This guy cuts and dry. He's a cut and dry writer, street writer. In fact, his his book could be made into a movie like those two movies I love. Uh, happened in the Bronx. What was it? The, the, the Bronx Tale? Bronx Tale. Oh, yeah. Chaz Palmentori. Yeah. Your book could, he wrote, here's what he wrote. I'm so sweet. He's trying not to hold it against me to Ron and Jimmy, whose show I love doing. Thanks for the memory. He loves that. Best Thanks for the memory. <laughs> and I thank you so much for the memory. So what I want to do now is play the trailer, the first trailer. This is the actual book trailer, you guys, um, for the book. It's called Try Not to Hold It Against Me, A Producer's Life with the forward by Elaine May, who I know that is. So you introduce it real quick, Julian, and then we're going to have uh, Juan play it for us. You know what would be great if I can just read you the first sentence of Elaine May? Sure. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I first met Julian Schlossberg when he was vice president of production at Paramount Pictures and screwed my movie. Yeah. <laughs> That's a lame name. That's totally a kind of humor. Which actually, Claudia totally. says in, in Germany, there's four copies of it that you can get. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, so anyway, go ahead. Introduce it. Just introduce it to give Juan a cue to, to, to play it for everybody. Well, I, I just think it – I hope it explains about the book. I think it's pretty – I hope self-evident. When we come back, I'll tell you if I think I did it. I haven't oh. seen it in, in six months. No, I want, I want to ask you the question. Wait a we got to play it. No, first. but I want to leave with the question. Why did you write this book, The True Meaning? Don't answer yet. When we come back, he'll give us our answer. All right. Here it goes, everybody. Check it out. All these plays you were viewing, all these TV specials, and all these movies, and many more, I produced. 
I'm Julian Schlossberg. You may not know what a producer is, but every project in show business has a producer. Every movie, every play, every TV show, every song. So what does a producer do? Well, a real producer finds the project, hires the director, raises the money, is involved in the casting, and in charge of the ad campaign, the publicity, and the marketing. I produced for Matthew Broderick, Mike Nichols, Elaine May, Alan Arkin, Sid Caesar, Richard Dreyfus, Peter Falk, Woody Allen, Vanessa Redgrave, and Orson Welles. And in my book, Try Not to Hold It Against Me, A Producer's Life, I describe the pain, the frustration, and the joy of producing. Well, how did I, a taxi driver from the Bronx, wind up a producer? I grew up at a time that will never come again. As a boy, it was the radio that fueled my imagination. Then the advent of early television that so excited me. And the movies with kids' prices at 14 cents. You know, it's possible that listening to all those radio shows is what led me to hosting my own radio program for nine years. And listening to all that music being broadcast led me to co-own a record company. And weekly trips to the movies led me to become the youngest head film buyer ever for a national theater chain. Then starting my own company, Castle Hill Productions, which became one of the largest independent film companies in the United States. And next, being hired to head the largest movie studio in the world. I also write about testifying against the Beatles, whom I loved experiencing the paranormal with Shirley MacLaine and Betty Hill, and having strange negotiations with Al Pacino and Burt Reynolds. Sometimes it was fun, sometimes sad, but almost always memorable. I produced so far over 60 movies, plays, and TV specials, and then finally wrote this book. I hope that for anyone interested in show business, the secrets revealed in Try Not to Hold It Against Me will surprise and entertain and will not be held against me. Great trailer. You said, Great trailer. It, you said it all. Now, Thank answer you. my question. What made you write the book? Narciss narcissism or uh, I want to show off or who I think I am or I'm going to help some people out. I think the reason I wrote the book was that I had the, the pandemic kept me from doing what I wanted to do. I, I couldn't, I, I wanted to produce, I had, I still have 12 or 14 projects that, you know, as a producer, you have to have more because you're going to not make, get them all made. So, but I've been developing them and all of a sudden I, I could not go anywhere or do anything. And so I thought, well, people have said to me for years, as I'm sure they've said it to you, Ron, uh, you know, you ought to write this. You ought to write up something. Blah, 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 blah. And I say, yeah, 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 because I was having a lot of fun not writing, and and I didn't consider myself a writer, as I as I said earlier. I still don't, but I am a storyteller, and I just started to write. I just wrote a story, and and then I wrote a second, and then I called Elaine May, and I said, what do you think of this? And she said, oh, I know this story. I said, but let me read it to you anyhow, <laughs> and and she said, that's pretty good. Why don't you keep doing it? And, and that's really what happened. Uh, no, it wasn't about ego, even though I'm getting a terrific kick out of 
A, how kind you guys are to me. And no, 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 no. We're not kind. We're not kind. We're not kind. We're <laughs> honest, honest. Kind. No, wait, I didn't say that you were kind people. I said how <laughs> kind <laughs> you've been to me. No, 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 no. We're not even kind. You deserve it. If you didn't oh. deserve it, I wouldn't do it. I don't do. I don't blow smoke up anybody's ass for, for, for gain. I don't. I don't. What am I going to get out of you, a Broadway play? You're going to make me a star? Come on, I'm 83 years old. I got two years. To live. <laughs> Two years I have to live. So oh, no, I'm I'm going to invest in you. Don't tell me two years. Two I, years. Want, I want more. If you're moving to New York, I want more than two years. He's going to have more than two years. Well, you'll come out to the house in the Hamptons, and we'll have I'll make a beautiful Italian. Here's how I, you know what I make? Potato latkes, and I make pasta, lasagna. So I do an Italo. You, you, you just fatten us up then. No, yes. no, no, but I do. I make an Italo Hebraic meal. It's delicious. But I mean, my potato father, pancakes and pasta, I would, I, would, I would roll home. Right. My father made a recipe called pizza into matza. Matza meal, pizza. Delicious. It's a crust. I'll make it for you. A pizza, you know, the sauce is Italian, but the matza, of course, is Jewish. And it, so my father called it pizza into matza. Do you speak Italian? Totally Italiano, si. No. Yeah, my father. My father was a greenhorn. He, his English was poor. He spoke English fluently, but my friends used to say, "You understand your father when he talks?" I said, "Yeah, quite." They said, "We don't understand him." Well, well obviously, father, obviously, based on what you said, the ladies understood him. Oh well, he was a handsome man. My father. My father was a union delegate for the painters' decorator union. He worked under Schoenfeld. He used to be Schoenfeld's big man. You know, he got Schoenfeld elected because yeah. my father would speak Italian to all the union people. So my father was, you know, the real, but anyway, um, <laughs> you know, unions and who ran them in New York. So wait a sec. But so. that's, yes, going to one thing. People have said to me, Ron, you've got to write a book. It's so interesting. I said, I couldn't write it honestly because the stories about Liza Minnelli are not flattering. The story about Burt Reynolds, he may not want me to talk about with Inga Stevens. You know, that would happen there. So there's a lot of stuff that I don't want to disrespect the people that are dead. If they were alive, I would call them up and say, do you mind if I do this? Yeah. So, and of course, my upbringing in Brooklyn with, you know, Gotti and all those people that you grow up with, you know, the name Gotti I knew from a kid, not when he grew up and be a big shot. He was a baby. I was older than him. But I mean, Colombo, all those names on Ocean Park. I know all the mafia people. I didn't know them. I knew of them. You know, we would talk about them. So how can I write about that? A lot of them are the children who I'm friends with of these people. Have you? Did you have a problem with that in writing? Because I'm, I'm stuck with it. About well, I mean, they're just the stories I wouldn't tell, you know, like you. They're just stories I wouldn't. But I had enough that I felt I could tell. See, um, I don't but I would never I, – I, somebody wrote a lovely review, and he said, the guy is never mean-spirited, but he's dishy. <laughs> That's, so, That's what know. I actually, If they the, would say that about me, I would write a book. And yeah. actually, in the chat room, they're saying, I like Mr. Schlossberg's smile so much. He's so kind. He tells so much with his eyes. Yeah. So, like, they love you. <laughs> also, my parents were communists. Socialists. They fought for social security, home relief, welfare, all that shit during the Depression. I used to go with my mother as a little boy and sell the, the, the daily worker. We'd go knocking on doors, and my mother told, so they were socialists. And I was raised, you know, by socialist people. 
I can't write about that. I don't think my parents would like me to say that they were communists in a book. Well, you, know, you, could, you could say they were socialists, and that would be true. Thing. It was socialism and communism, same thing. It's a, well, socialism is a polite word for communism. I used to tell my mother that. <laughs> well, I, my mother used to say they're socialists. That was a polite way of saying communists. It was like yeah. an, under, an undercurrent word. Well, yeah. in, in a way, the, the communists went further than the socialists in what they wanted to do. Cause yeah, they all believe the same shit. I used to go to the grocery store with my mother at night when they closed. They have old folding chairs, and all of the people would sit there, and the red guy, the communist guy, would talk about equality. We got to make it rid of the rich. We got to take their money, give it to the poor. We have to be one society of everybody the same. And I said to myself, but that's not who I want to be. I don't want to be the same like everybody. I want to be special. I want to. I want to have. I want to get the most out of life, and that's why I never followed the communist uh, belief. My no, sister also. My sister is is a Republican. You know. <laughs> well, she went the other way. <laughs> she went the total other way. But um. So wait, I want to like promote because so we got so, nine minutes left. Oh no, this we have nine minutes. I can't left. believe two hours went by. I can't. So we have nine minutes left. First of all, you guys, here's talk some about cool, Yentas. We are the cool, ultimate Yentas. Some I cool movies you guys can see that were actually Julian's films, and I I don't know where I got this actually, um, but Widow's Peak with Mia Farrow, Joan Plowright, and Natasha Richardson. I'm mostly doing this so people see some of the great. people. I love Joan Plowright. In the Spirit with Peter Falk, Marlo Thomas, Melanie Griffith, and Olympia Dukakis. He did a documentary called No Nukes with Bruce Springsteen, Carly Simon, James Taylor, Bonnie Raitt, Jackson Brown. I mean, those are like huge people. Ten from your show of shows with Sid Caesar and Imogene Coca. Imogene Coca. You know, my. How was Peter Falk? My, like <laughs> my Italian aunt in Italy, Fermina Antonazio, was an opera singer. And she sang with Mario. Uh, Lanza. Mario Lanza. Lanza, the other Italian famous opera. Anyway, he was on the Ed Sullivan show. And I was about 14, and I went to the door where they gave me permission to go backstage, and Imogene Coker was there, tiny little thing with his Buster Brown haircut, and she was bitching about something, yelling at somebody. And anyway, uh, Ed Sullivan was very nice. He was a very, very nice man. Ever meet Ed Sullivan? No, no. Yeah, he was a, he was a little weird, but little, very little guy. Right here, right here. He was <laughs> That was really good. You got it. We watched Ed Sullivan's on MeTV on Sunday right. nights. And, so you know, and I forgot about Ed Sullivan. But Jimmy keeps saying, write down who you've known so when you do your book. And I forget. So if I, as I tell stories, you know, when you're a rock on tour and you go on and on and on and on, you suddenly remember this name, that name, and the other name. The chat room wants to know how you knew Alfred Hitchcock. Yeah. I, I didn't know him, but I, I met him, and we have pictures together. I was a, a gigantic Hitchcock fan. Because I loved, as I said to you guys earlier, things like Strangers on a Train and Shadow of a Doubt, North by Northwest, and and so many Vertigo and um, and a Psycho was uh, too upsetting for me. Uh, I love Psycho. But you see now again going back. to I like the one with the guy Jimmy Stewart in the in the broken leg where he's looking across the street. Rear window. Rear window. window. Rear window. Going back to writing a book, I know Tippy Hedren really well. Matter of fact, we made out at Blackwell Street. <laughs> yeah, we both were drinking, and we suddenly looked at each other. We started making out. I mean, isn't that crazy? Anyway, Tippy told me a lot of stuff about Hitchcock that I could never write. I would never do such a thing. And I mean, Hitchcock was. But she did. 
Yeah, she already no, wrote no, about she it. didn't even go into half of it. Trust me on that. Oh, one. I'm sure. I, I said to, I think it was Tippy, I said, somebody I was talking to, how come he never hit? I think I said to Tony Curtis. Yeah, I knew Tony well. I said, how come Hitchcock never hit on your wife, Janet Lee? He said, because she was Jewish. I said, oh, really? I didn't know that about Hitchcock. He was an anti Semite. Oi. How uh, do you like them apples? So, I mean, really, how you well, find, find stuff out? Yeah, it's it's I it's it's sad it's sad to hear. That's all I can say. I'm sorry to hear it. But yes. well, I mean, still like still no, like the movies. That's, that's the biggest problem. You can find well, you know, I mean you read about Picasso, he was obviously a, a really bad guy. But womanizer, womanizer. Can't take away his talent. So I don't no. know. No, we, no, we, all, that could have just been Tony's feelings. Now it wasn't a factual thing. Tony said that. Assumingly, I'm sure. Well, Bernie Schwartz knew what it was to be a Jew. Well, you know what? He hit. He was mad about Grace Kelly. He hit on everybody, even even Marie Saint. But he never hit on Janet Lee, and she was a very with big tits. I mean, she had huge, and they were real. They weren't bags. Janet Lee was a knockout. So oh, how absolute Hitch, knockout. So how come Hitch didn't hit on her? But I, when Tony said that to me, I said, "Really?" And he went, "Yeah, really." So, so wait a second. I but, Tony you. also said that Marilyn Monroe was on her knees all the time in Hollywood, blowing everybody. So Tony was a little bit overboard in his bluntness and his honesty. So I took him with a little grain of salt. I think so. I mean, uh, in fact, it might be interesting to a, an anti-Semite to go after a woman. So in a peculiar way, it might even be as some of the biggest racists would go after black ladies. So it's a funny thing about human beings, I'm afraid. You know, I, I don't believe that thing about Hitchcock, but it could be true. But it, I don't think it would stop him. I don't think it would stop him. That's the thing. I'm sure it was Tony Kurt. Did you know Tony? No, I never met him. I, I knew him really well. Uh <laughs> He and I spent three hours together, shoulder to shoulder, at the convention center here in Palm Springs. I was at Jane Russell's table while she was signing, and he was signing pictures and his thing. I then bet people thought you were brothers. They thought I was his son. People, somebody said, "Is are you his son?" Oh, I said to Tony, "You know, people say we look alike." He said, "No, we don't. I'm much better looking." He was much better looking. <laughs> but um, we sat at the in a circle at the. You know, we spent three days together. Of, of eight hours. So we really got to be buddies. And my personality, his personality, two of us, we don't, we don't hold back. You know, we talked about everything. I even told him about what Errol Flynn said about Sophia Loren, that Errol Flynn's guest pool house had a hole in the roof. And he would look down when the women undressed. And Sophia Loren sniffed under her armpits before she went out. So you see, these are little things that I treasure because they're inside little stories, and who told me that was my very dear friend. She's passed away. Um, anyway, her name has slipped my mind. Well, but here's the thing. Right off the bat, before we say goodnight, oh, no. Jane Russell, yeah. Tom Curtis, Betty Davis, you've got three chapters right there before you begin. And I'll read them, and I'll be happy to give you notes if you want. Yeah, well, the Jane Russell, I finally came clean about the relationship that Jane and I had. Um, you don't have a lot of time. Here. Jane like and I could have gone somewhere in our relationship because she liked younger men. 
and she found me to be fun and attractive. We talked constantly about my being gay. And she said to me, please listen to the Lord. The Lord will stop you from being gay. And then you could possibly, you know, marry again. So Jane Russell, I think, anyway, the last thing I said to her when I dropped her off in the airport before she passed away was, you know, Russell, I love you. And we never said things like that. She said, and you know, Russell, I love you back. <laughs> well, that was the last thing I got from Jane. I would write that about closes, her. That closes the chapter. That is the yeah, I write about the eight years of our relationship where we went all over together. We slept in each other's homes. We, 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 we went to the movies together. We, we, she loved driving in my car because I have an Audi TT Roads, a convertible. And Jane loved speed. And we used to drive up and down the coast of California. So there's a lot there. Betty Davis, not too much. Mostly about um, other people involved. Yes. Well, I, I must I, say I that. Want to end it with me. I'm going to end it no, with No, we you. have like a minute and a half. I want to get some promos out. So you guys, here's the name of the book. It's called Try Not to Hold It Against Me, A Producer's Life by Julian Schlossberg, forward by Elaine May. Um, you can also find out more information about Julian by going to julianschlossbergproducer.com. Um, uh, watch all his different things. He's got so many cool things coming on. And when he has new stuff coming out, he's working on a bunch of things. We'll bring him back because we love having him We're going to make you show. a trilogy. <laughs> you are a trilogy. And when we're in New York, I definitely want to meet you because – Oh, it's, it's a date. It's it a date. It would be my pleasure because um, – I, I have nothing in common with anybody I work with today. It's so sad. I don't know these kids. It would be so nice to be with somebody like you. It would well, be such thank, a... Thank you. I I two hours flew by. Two I, hours flew by. I tell you one thing. We'll ne if we have lunch together, we'll end up having dinner together. Oh, yeah. Oh, I know. We're not going to stop. Not gonna <laughs> st we have so much to talk about. That and works perfect. Great, but I have so much to learn from you because... Oh. Oh, no, you have stories and stuff that I don't know about, people I've never known. And vice versa. Right, yes. vice versa. So, so congratulations on the book. Thanks for coming back on the show again. We loved having Julian, you. Pleasure. You're fabulous. We can't Thank wait you. to meet you in person, which will be sometime very soon. And um, and if you need anything, let us know. Well, thank you so much. And and all I can say is if someone drops out, just pick up the phone. Absolutely. Actually, I don't have your phone number, so you can send it to me in an email. <laughs> And and All right. I, I really want to meet with uh, Renee. She's 90. I mean, I'll, I'm so I, can, I can do that. Yeah. And I think Renee might be interested in the script. This I, think she, I think she wants to work. Well, so. this, is a, this is a starring role. She plays a Jewish bookie in oh. 1943. We got to go. We got to go. We're out of time. All right, everybody. This is Julian Schlossberg. Thank you so much. Julia, we'll see thank you soon, you so Julian. Much. Bye. We'll see thank you, you guys. Happy thank holiday. Happy bye holiday. Bye. You too, baby. Take care. Stay well. Bye bye. Stay Thank well. you. Bye Thank bye. You. Long life. Stay it's another episode here we go the jimmy star show with ron russell interviewing the hottest newest and truest of today's celebrities make sure to subscribe so you can get notified weekly jimmy star he's the king of cool ron russell he's a gorgeous dude chat room is live and you would be a fool not to vibe with us at the jimmy star show with ron russell come and watch it live on w4cy radio miss some past episodes download on itunes the jimmy star show with ron russell it's the jimmy star show with ron russell